I want to bring you a message today, uh, just basically question and answer, question and answer, and we're going to ask this question, why does God allow these things to happen? That's really the title of the message today. Why does God allow these things to happen? Does anyone wonder that? Be honest. Who's wondered that question right there? Why does God allow these things to happen? Okay. Why does, why does God allow these things to happen? <laughs> Are you good? You sure? All right. That was hilarious. Yep. I am Pastor Matt, the lead pastor. I can see that back there. So, um, this is different, live streaming, right? What you don't see is when you're not here, and it's just, it's just us live streaming, it's like a hot mess. It's like a studio in here, and we're running around, and I've got like this teleprompter, and now today we're trying to do it somewhat normal to where it feels like a normal worship service, but still maintain online for everyone. And I can't see them. Are we good? Okay, we're okay. All right. Maybe we can graduate to good throughout this, uh, throughout this message. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, we ask that you would answer these questions in our heart. Father, as we go to your word, the answer, I pray, Father, that it would minister to us. I pray, Father, that it would grow us. And that, Father, purpose would be found today in your word. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. All right. Are we good? Is there a feed? You going to check? Audio's working, Cody? Okay. Why does God allow these things to happen? Here's the two things that we'll really kind of set the stage with here. The obvious things. Coronavirus. Why does God allow these things to happen. You know, for some, it's more a conspiracy. It doesn't exist. And I think a lot of folks use that as a defense mechanism. They run from. They don't want to accept certain things. But let me explain something to you. It's real. People are dying. I, I've gotten texts within the last 24 hours of folks close to us that are affected by it. Folks that I'm praying for, things are continuing to, uh, yes, we see in, in some way get better, but for others get worse. So really, the question is asked, why? Why do we have to deal with these things? And honestly, on a global level, it really brings to light the things that we deal with on a regular basis that are maybe just for us. And sometimes, uh, maybe you have a terminal illness or chronic illness or something that you have dealt with and maybe gotten victory over, but during those seasons of your life, you ask that question, what? Why, God? Why am I going through these things? And listen, if you don't ask those questions, you're a robot. You're, you're, you're really just trying to uh, hide and push away and, and, and ignore those feelings that if you took time to actually think, guess what? They would come to the surface. Why? George Floyd. Why? Why such hatred? Why unbelievable, what an unbelievable travesty. And, and I think that 
no matter where you stand, and this is what I hate. What I hate is the politicizing and the polarizing. And, and, and then it's, it's more division in a time when we need to all be on the same page to eradicate something as horrible as racism. It's horrible and it exists. And if you don't think it exists, then you probably don't have that many black friends. And if you do have black friends, you're not talking to them. You're not asking them questions. You're not, you're not saying to them, how do you feel? How have you been affected? How has this uh, come into your life? If, if, if you just think this isn't anything and that it doesn't exist. I, I, I'm starting to post a few more controversial things on my Facebook post, on my Facebook. But I put it out there about the uh, Ahmad situation, Arbery. And then, you know, people going back and forth. But I believe that there are some white people living under a rock. And, and it's just like, in, in my mind, I just think like, you really, the, the root, and we're going to answer it this morning, is that they are truly living in a bubble. That they are truly living in a situation where they're not reaching out and encountering other cultures. My wife and I, we talk about it. Obviously, she's, she's from a a Latina culture, you know, her maiden name would be Delgado, for those that don't know, Hispanic. And finally, it's causing us to have conversations and me asking her, have you ever experienced racism? Well, yeah. Really? Yeah. Tell me about it. And then I hear the pain in her voice. I hear the, those moments that define her throughout her life where she encountered people's hatred based on the fact that she wasn't just like them. L listen, this is a problem, this is an issue, and we as the church don't need to ignore it, don't need to act like it doesn't exist, and if you're one of those who thinks it doesn't exist, then you need to start asking more questions. You need to pull the blinders off. You need to say, Lord, help me get a, a broken heart for this world. I think if you turn the left, right, and main down a little bit, the main, maybe that will help. It's really loud and echoey up here. So, and it's probably going to get louder, just so you know. <laughs> the main, all the way on the right. So, we, we have to address these issues. We have to acknowledge that they are real, and we have to answer them with the word of God. I think that it's a, it's a strong possibility that many of us lean into our upbringing, our culture, our worldview, and our thought processes to answer these questions. And as a pastor, I'm hearing a lot of inaccuracy, a lot. And, and I'm good as, as an Enneagram 3, like I'm good at having conversations with people. I'm good at making people feel loved and welcome. That's part of a gifting I have as far as being a pastor. You know, if no one uh, could talk with me or liked me at all, it would be hard to do my job, right? Be like, man, I, I really need some help, but Pastor Matt just can't seem to connect with me at all, right? So God made me a certain way to be able to connect with people, but in connecting with people, sometimes I hear people saying things that are really wrong. But I try, to, uh, I try to say to them, that's one point of view. That, that's, that's one thought. And maybe they take it as the fact that I'm agreeing with them, but I'm not, right? I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> but I hear a lot of people that just spew a lot of things, and it's really a very uneducated, unbiblical perspective. 
And, and I don't want, as a shepherd, as an under-shepherd in my church, I don't want my church members that God has given me, I don't want you to be unbiblical. I don't want you to be ignorant as to what the scripture says and spew a bunch of your thoughts that, that are incorrect with, and inconsistent with what scripture says. So how many of you want to have a gospel, a right response to these issues in our world? Anybody? I want to help you with that today. I want to walk you through the word of God, the way I approach these issues and the way I weight myself, right? There, there is a command for elders to have gravity in certain situations. And so when we encounter issues, I'm allowing myself to feel emotions, I'm allowing myself to feel anger in the right context. I'm allowing myself to grieve in certain situations so that my heart can go to that family and so that I can minister to, to them in prayer and, and not be cold-hearted to these things. You see the splash zone. It's happening. Keep your masks on. Do you understand? But here's what we, here's what we do and here's what we have to stop doing. You answer these questions with a fleshly, inaccurate uneducated response. And here's what you do. You add fuel to the fire of racism. You add fuel to the fire of the coronavirus that is spreading all of this fear when you could give someone faith in a moment. But see, it takes the word of God to turn fear into faith. It takes the word of God to turn anger and racism into love. That's what it takes. We have to go to the scriptures and we have to stop saying politically what we'll fix. Uh, let me explain the policy. Let me tell you about the laws that should change. Let me tell you about the word of God that fixes all things. Let me tell you about the word of God that answers every issue of this generation and brings it into perspective to what the Savior wants, to what a Christian should be and should act like. Are you ready for that response? Are you ready for the answer to this question? of why does God allow these things to happen. All right, you ready? Let's go on a little journey through scripture. Who has your Bibles? On your phone? Anybody? It's okay if you don't, because it's going to be right there on the screen, okay? But if you have your Bibles, get ready. We're going to go to a lot of different scriptures. But first, I want to prime the pump here. Who, we, we, we told you, we're going to do a lot of raising of the hands. Who is struggling with these current events? Let's be honest. Who is struggling with it? Okay, if you're nodding your head, raise your hand. Come on. Who is struggling if you ain't struggling with it, let's have a conversation after, okay? I need, I need to get some pointers. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What questions do you ask yourself? This is important. Is he okay? He bonked his head. Poor thing. Poor thing. Everybody say all on three. One, two, three. Aww. All right. Poor kid. He bonked his head. All right, everybody focus right here. Right here. Online, you're doing a great job. What questions do you ask yourself? Here's the second thing. To whom do you lay the blame? All of these questions are very important. If you need to, Bill, we have that crying room. Everything's a live, live stream feed out there. Yeah. Number one, what questions do you ask yourself? Number two, to whom do you lay the blame? Number three, why are they really happening? Why? Why are these current events really happening? Have you asked these questions? Let me ask them again. I think you're, we're focused here. What questions do you ask yourself? To whom do you lay the blame for these current events? And why are they really happening? Very important. 
Who have you blamed in these situations? Trust me, there have been people blaming the government. I tell you what, it's all, wait a minute, who are you laying the blame on? We, we, we react, we're very reactionary in these, in these instances that really, we have to just realize that we're, we're asking certain questions, and maybe there's a better question to ask. I want to help you. Who has a problem, watch this, with the fact that God is in control and these things are still happening? Be truthful. Because really, if, you, if you're asking these questions and you're assuming the fact that as a Christian you believe that God is sovereign, really when you have a problem, it's really the fact that God is in control of these things and they're still happening. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that things are going crazy? The world is on fire. Are you seeing this? Do you have a problem with that in the context that God is in control? How many have thought about that? Anybody? A few? Who else is going to be honest? Okay, good. <laughs> Let's see what scripture says, okay? John 14.1. I'm sorry, Job. Job 14.1. We're going to roll right through these. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. When we turn to the word of God and we read a verse like this, man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble, man, let's just pack it up. Let's just lay down, get in the fetal position. Let's just go ahead and let depression sink in. No, let's not. But let's not acknowledge the fact that God said that life is going to be hard. You see, here's where our worldview is beginning to form as it pertains to Scripture. Job, the, the Bible says that life, born of woman, those that are living, is few in days and full of trouble. In other words, people die and people have hard times. Those that come into the church and are very weak Christians, new Christians that think that coming in here, I'll label it prosperity gospel, means everything out there is going to be okay, is a huge problem. If you don't understand that scripture says you're going to have hard times, then the first thing you're going to do is blame God. But God says, why are you blaming me? I told you this was going to happen. Once again, I hear a lot of noise from church members that don't know this verse is in the Bible. Why? Why do so many things happen? Here's, here's another thing I hear. I hear some people say the opposite. My life's great. My life's incredible. You should live in my shoes for a couple of days. You'll love it. Let me explain something to you. Those people are lying. <laughs> Whoever you are online, because you're wherever you are enjoying your incredible life, <laughs> you're lying. How, how are you saying that, Pastor Matt? I'm not lying. My life is amazing. It's incredible. Just come join me and I'll show you. No, no, no. The Bible is true. So we can just stake claim on the fact that if Scripture says in Job, few days, full of trouble, if they're saying they're going to live for a thousand years and they have no trouble, they're what? Thank you. <laughs> So good. We are on our way to a biblical worldview. Welcome. Welcome to service. This is amazing. L listen, these, these folks that say that, they have trouble. How do you know, Pastor Matt? The next verse, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm of the opinion that the only thing worth living for is the glory of God. 
I, I have that opinion because Scripture tells me that he is the only one that I should be serving and bringing praise and honor and glory to. And so, therefore, there's a reason why days are few and full of trouble. Why? Because we all got what? Great job. We are literally just solving these problems one step at a time. Hey, if people say they don't have problems, if people say they don't have sin in their life, they're lying. The Bible says all have sinned. Everyone is falling short of God's glory. Let me help you out with, with something else. Go to the next verse. Romans 2.11. Read this one with me. For there is no respect of persons with... Read it with me again. For there is no respect of persons with God. What, what does that mean? Does anybody know? Our worldview from Scripture is that there is no one elevated in the presence of God. There is no, here's God's presence, and here's one color above another. Here's one society above another. Here's one person that God looks at with more respect than another person. It doesn't exist. God says, let me explain something to you. You're all sinners, and none of you are better than any other person on this planet. There's a good worldview for you. So therefore, when we see entitled behavior happening on every side, on every front, from every political party, from every part of the human race, we can identify it and say it's not true. You're not better than me, and I'm not better than you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and I understand as I understand it in Scripture that we all have problems, we all have trouble, we all have issues, and that is something that transcends color, transcends generation, transcends age, and every other category that you want to bring into this discussion. God looks at everybody the same. So therefore, if you think you're better than someone else, through your actions, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. In fact, you ready for this? As the plan of the Lord comes to fruition, watch this. Are you ready? Here, here's what we have to understand in this worldview. Jesus Christ came the first time, born of a virgin, right? Conceived really in perfection. No sin transmitted from the Father because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, part of our Father God in heaven, fathering his son Jesus. Born sinless given a chance to live 33 and a half years on this earth, tempted as we were tempted, never once failed. Never once fell subject to the fact that every other man on the face of this planet has sinned. He did not sin. In him was found no sin. So therefore he became sin for us. And what Jesus Christ accomplished the first time in his death, proving that it was right in his resurrection, will one day come again. The second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom on earth. Woo! Where's a flag for that one? Let me, let me tell you something. I'm getting excited. Why? Because I see a point and end to all of this. My worldview is now, is, is now in scope looking towards the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior coming again to redeem the entire world. So we have to understand that the context that we're living in, this church that he is building, understand this, that it is all looking towards what is going to happen for the kingdom of God coming to fruition when he comes the second time. And he's proving all of that by putting his Holy Spirit on all of those that believe and trust in him. We're little temples of his that he has begun to renovate for his future coming kingdom, right? 
His kingdom is coming, is now here, but will be in full fruition when he has come his second time. Watch this. Listen to this verse. Are you ready? Philippians 2, 10 through 12. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that, say the next word. Say it a little louder. And that, I think you can do better. And that, we have little kids in here. Ready, kids? And that, every time. That's right, Josh. Thank you, bro. Should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not, in, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is saying this. Do you understand? Go back to verse 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Our worldview is now coming to fruition as we begin to transcend race, color, as the devil has done well to separate and segregate, the church should be breaking down barriers because we have a full understanding that at the name of Jesus, all walls fall, all barriers come down, and every tongue, every race, every tribe will confess that he is Savior to the glory of God. It brings God glory to see that ground, what? Level. So therefore, when we see things that are contrary to that, our last study, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we know that that is the spirit of Antichrist. Every time we see walls and divisions, whether it is by political party or, God forbid, another church that says that there should be walls, there should be separation, there is someone that is greater than another person, or they esteem someone who is rich better than someone who is poor. In economic division, we have to identify that and say that is the spirit of Antichrist because the spirit of Christ says every knee will bow. Every L- Listen, we are forming a worldview. Do you see this? See what we're doing through scripture? Scripture recap. Hang in there. I could tell, man. Y'all are like, shit, but I wasn't going to come today. First time we open, I know pastor would be depressed if nobody was here. But I really miss church up on the couch, you know what I'm saying? Y'all are like, oh my gosh. At this time last week, I done got three snacks of Doritos. I done got my pancakes. Y'all are like hurting, man. I can see it's like. I'm really happy about it, Pastor. Y'all, man, y'all got something going on. I tell you what, Holy Spirit, get them. (laughs) I know, man. They're like, look, when phase three kick in and the coffee's back, I'll beat her. I'll beat her. Shoot. Y'all are like, help us, Lord. Oh, that's funny. Okay, this is the Bible. This is time to read the Bible and engage in a sermon. Here we go. Here's the scriptural recap. We are all in trouble and have foreseeable trouble in the next life. Okay? Scriptural recap. Let me help you with this context. I'm trying to build this worldview here as we go. Hey, hey, guys. Let me ask you this question, guys and gals. Why does God allow things to happen? Why does God allow things to happen? Keep that on your brain. Listen to this, listen to this story. A rich man and a beggar. Luke 16, right? And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried and in what? Hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off 
and Lazarus in his bosom. Let me explain something to you. God is no respecter of persons. A rich man went to where? Hell. Hell. Y'all know what that means. That's why I do it. I'm not literally saying that hell is beneath my feet, but you get the point. <laughs> it's down there, the bad man. <laughs> hell. The rich man went to hell, the preferred one, the one that we would all want to sit at his table. The beggar went to paradise. The beggar carried by angels. The beggar restored anew. How many would want money for 70 years or want it for eternity? How many would want fame and representation on earth for 70 years or fame and representation in the glory of the heavens for eternity? I'm just telling you, your worldview that allows you to posture for folks to like you and posture for folks to prefer you in the workplace, in your family, within other people groups, it's only going to last for three score and ten. You understand what I'm saying? Preferential treatment is only for the unsaved and only for the unregenerate. That is not popular. Y'all be like, I don't like you neither, Pastor. I'm going home like on the couch with my cereal. That's what the Word of God says. I'm trying to help formulate your worldview, formulate the way we think. Wouldn't it be something if the devil has us in a spirit of Antichrist? Wouldn't it be something if we watch the news through a spirit of Antichrist? Wouldn't it be something if the church of God says, I'm going to watch the news through the filter of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to have a broken heart for all people groups. I'm going to have a broken heart for all the things that I can't change, but I know God will. But we allow our prejudice. We allow, let's, let's, I think I can contextualize this a little bit. We will allow our rich man side of us, the part that is condemned to hell, come up and say, well, where's the beggar in you? Where is the beggar in you? Where is the person that God redeemed and saved? Where is the person that is broken, that is lost, that is searching for the crumbs? Where is your beggar? You say, you're off your rocker. No, I'm not. Luke 17, just a few verses later, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall what? Preserve it. At what point will Christians be like, I'm going to live a gospel-centered life? That means I'm not posturing anymore. That means that I'm willing to live a humbled life before God, and that means I'm going to have to love people I don't like. It's okay. He'll give you the grace to do it. Son. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God. Seek ye first what God is bringing about in this world, which is change. Through his Holy Ghost, through the Holy Spirit of God, he is bringing about his kingdom. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church of God will rise up, will come to fruition. Every tongue will confess. Why don't you just get on board? Why don't you just say right now, today, I'm going to be a part of God's kingdom. I'm going to be a soldier in, in the Christian army. And I'm not going to worry about my little prejudices. I'm not going to let a sickness or a disease or a narrative or a race 
I'm not going to let any story that the media is feeding me allow me to look through my rich man lens. I'm a beggar. <laughs> I don't deserve health. I don't deserve preferential treatment. I deserve what? Health. We're starting to formulate a Christian worldview. Man, all right, guys, let's take a quiz so far. Let's see where you're at, and hopefully you'll pass as a good, good Christian. His series going crazy up here. Do you understand? All right, stop. All right, everybody stop. Everybody think. How many of you have asked questions lately that have really got, you know, it's evident that you're feeling sorry for yourself. It's evident that you're not trusting in God's coming kingdom. Don't raise your hand. It's evident that you really have not been looking through the lens of the beggar and you've been looking through the lens of the rich man. It's time to transition. It's time, here it is, to change. It's time to answer these questions correctly, biblically, and understand that God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is for everything not to be perfect, everything not to be amazing, bright, and shiny. God has a purpose. And if you will open your heart and your life right now to Jesus Christ, he will fill your heart and fill your life with his purpose. You can and will bring honor and glory to the Lord if you will be open. But right now, if the rich man in you is posturing the narrative and putting you in this position of greater than instead of lesser than where we all belong, you're going to have trouble swallowing what I'm about to say, just so you know. I'm about to say it, Miss Tanya. Come on. Glad you're back. Glad you're back. <laughs> Miss Tanya helps me. She brings me into the kingdom of God. Here we go. John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment, that ye... Oh, what? <laughs> Excuse me? This is my commandment, that ye love only the people that, have, that watch the same news network as you. This is the commandment, that ye... Excuse me, you love one another, as I have loved you. <laughs> As I, Jesus, let me help y'all with that. I love having y'all here. I'm so excited. As I, Jesus, humbled myself, as I left heaven, as I became obedient to death as a servant. I, I went in the beggar mode. I was the rich man. You know what I'm saying. Not that contextually. Jesus had it all. And he became obedient unto death for you, for me. Look, look at it. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We're all cocking our ARs and getting ready to go to battle. <laughs> I'm just saying. Could it be that we have the wrong worldview and the wrong perspective? Could it be that the gun never needed picked up to begin with? Could it be that there is love that could change the narrative? If we honestly believed that we could love someone to change, would we actually do it? Yes, but we don't really believe that. We in our hardest of hearts don't really believe that those people who are different than us can't change because we believe we're better. We have to identify that sin and we have to extinguish it, eradicate it. Get it out of our life. Pull up the roots and understand that we are the beggar. Man, this is not popular. I'd love to get up here and preach just this popular message that, okay, God's going to give you everything you want. I mean, there are preachers that do it. If you want, I'll send you some links. I listen to it to just encourage myself for every time. I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the point is, is this is truth, yo. Yo. Love one another. 
True love, one man laying down his life for another. Romans 5.8, let me tell you about somebody who did that. But God commendeth his love, what? Toward what? Us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, Pastor Matt, this is a lot like the Romans road. That's the gospel. That's, that's what changes people. Me, me getting up here and giving you my political opinion would do the exact opposite. Me stirring up people that are exactly like me. Me having a church of a bunch of people that are dressed and look exactly like me is part of the problem. It is. If I get people that are behind me and behind my position, what have I done for the glory of God? Nothing. I've got a bunch of robots. I've got a bunch of rich men. I want beggars because I'm a beggar. I want to show people the gospel. If we ever get past the gospel and want something deeper, go find it at another church. There is nothing deeper than the gospel. There is nothing that will change hearts like the gospel will change hearts. And there is nothing that will give you a richer life than what I'm telling you today. But God so loved the world that he gave that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through him might be saved. Could it be that we never realized in our narrative, in our asking of the questions, that the very person we have a problem with are the very people God loves? Are the very world that God gave his life for? I'm speaking, of course, generally, but also specifically. Could it be that we've missed the point as churches? May God break our hearts for the world. It's not about whether we agree or disagree. It's about the fact that God loves them. If, let, let me just explain something to you real quick. This is free. It's not my outline. It's funny, when, when you see a child acting up, for me, if it's someone else's child, I'm like, do something about that. Shoot. Take that, take that thing to the bathroom and wear it out. Straighten it up. Why? Because it's not mine. I don't really have, I mean, I love all of you children. I love all of you. But at the same point, there is a difference between what? My kids. There's a difference between my kids and everyone else's kids. I have a general love for all children. But my kids, guess what? I love them more. <laughs> that's, that's what? What do we call that? Natural. That's natural, right? If we realized that all human beings, all human beings are to be God's children and that he died for everybody, not a select few, he died for everybody, and we understand the heart of God is to love and nurture and care for what? Everyone. Then we pray, God, give me a heart for them like you have for them. God, help me not to be a babysitter, but help me to be a parent. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. You're looking at those people as other people's children. You are. And God's saying, 
There's no difference between them and what? And you. Why does God allow these things to happen? He allows them to happen, watch this, so that we can be saved. He allows these things to happen so that we can be saved. This is, a, this is literally a shift in the sermon, if, in case you're wondering. This is a shift right here. This is a hook in, in the sermon that if it doesn't lodge in your heart, you're going to miss the whole thing. Okay? I just want to tell you guys that. <laughs> We're framing this Christian worldview here. We've been framing it for the last 18 minutes. Okay? And I hope that at this point you have a clear view of the world as God is seeing it through Scripture. Everybody there with me? Okay. So he allows these things to happen so that we may be saved. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, what? Is, is death. <laughs> but, thank God for that conjunction. Thank God that God marries the idea that what we do brings death, but what he does brings what? Life. But the gift of God, two equal parts. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord understands in his worldview that he has done what is necessary to allow everybody to walk from death to what? Life. He goes, if you live in sin and your understanding in this worldview shifts to me, you will then have a comma but applied to your story. You will then understand that what is the grave is not the end. It is only the beginning. Why does God allow all of this to happen? So that you might be saved. If he didn't allow you to live, which we know would be a sinful life, then therefore you could not turn to him to be saved from your sinful life to your eternal life. If you, were, if you got what you deserved immediately, what would it be according to the Bible? In what? Revelation 21 and 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you got what you deserved, if life did not continue, if life, watch this, I'm just using logic here, if life wasn't full of trouble in few of days, you could not find eternity. It's not a part of God's plan for these things not to happen, it's a part of God's plan for them to happen in a gospel worldview. Follow me, stay with me. The wages of sin, yes, gift of God, yes. Romans 8, 3, woohoo. Some of you maybe have never heard this story. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest one. Romans 8, 3, follow me here. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, what does it say? Condemned sin in the flesh. Let me help you with something. The gospel of Jesus Christ has a single purpose. Follow me here. The gospel of Jesus Christ has a single purpose. Show us what we could not do. Show us what he did do. And give us an opportunity to accept from him what we could not obtain in ourselves. 
The gospel has the purpose of showing us what we could not do, showing us what he did do, and allowing all of us the chance to accept him. My goodness. My goodness. If we could work our way to heaven, then God would have ended this a long time ago. But yet he allows it to continue so that we may lose our lives to find them. Pray tell if that would happen without a period of time, a life. That's why I see a life as infinitely valuable. It is for your life that God, what? Gave his life. Not one life is above another life. One life wrecked with terminal illness is just as good to God as a, a, a life with no illness at all. God allows us to live our lives so that we may be lost and found in what? His life. Poor thing. Poor thing. Bring him up here. Just kidding. Listen to this. God created us with a purpose. A purpose to know him and be fully known by him. Our enemy deceives us into thinking that we are our own. I'm trying to dismantle this humanistic worldview the best I know how. I'm trying to kill it. I'm trying to put it to death right now. Our enemy deceives us into thinking that we are on our own and should pursue whatever makes us happy. Our enemy uses the very thing that caused the problem in the beginning to continue the narrative of us seeking our own pleasure and writing our own narrative to what we think brings us happiness. That is sin. That's sin. We must identify sin in our lives as the source of all things that will keep us from fulfilling our purpose and trust Jesus to save us from that life. We must. Why should we trust God? If he has all the control, then why doesn't he just snap his fingers? We must make the decision. If not, we are not image bearers, but robots. And I know there's two sides to this coin, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with different perspectives. This is just your pastor's perspective. Trying to put the jelly on the bottom shelf here for you this morning. We must make this decision. We will never eradicate that which we are, but Jesus can eradicate who we are by making us new again. If you're struggling... If you're dealing with the, the problems of this life, you're dealing with sin, and Jesus is the only one who can make you new again. He's the only one who can eradicate what the law could not do. We look at the Bible and we see that we are sinners. We see that we struggle. We see that we're all the same. The only person who can make us new is Jesus. John 15, well, let's do this. 1 Corinthians 15. Turn to 1 Corinthians if you have your Bible. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe the word of God is what changes lives. I believe that faith comes by, guess what? The word of God. How many of you believe the Bible? Listen to these words. Listen. Just stay with me. The kiddos are fine. Let them do whatever. Let them run around. It's all good. This is where we are in life. I don't want you to miss this, though. Listen to Paul's words. You ready? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you 
the gospel. Hey, hey, the gospel. Which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Wherein ye stand. You're not standing on your own merit today. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's the gospel. That's why we're standing. Verse 2. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. I, I want you to, don't miss this. For those of you that struggle, for those of you that ask questions, is God real? How could God allow these things to happen? Don't miss this. This is proof. Written over 1,400 years, 66 books, 40 different authors. And listen to the message that the Apostle Paul is about to send your way. Listen to the faith that he is going to build up in you. Here we are 2,000 years later from when this was penned. And, and literally, this should build your faith. The Apostle Paul was not a follower of Jesus in his earthly ministry. He turned, made an about face on an entirely different narrative. He, he was convinced. He was regenerated. Watch this. And that he was seen of Cephas and the twelve. Do you understand something? Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead on the third day, people saw him. Let me say that again. People saw him. I, I want you to know that what I'm asking you to believe in here at the end of this message, here as all of this comes to fruition, that Jesus is the answer, he's not like every other religious... He's not like every other uh, thought, every other uh, different, uh, not even denomination, but other cults, different people that while they're living say, this is how it should be. This makes my worldview correct. And then they what? Die. And then their teachings live on. The difference is Jesus died and rose again. <laughs> His death was miraculous in that his resurrection brings about life. Everything I'm saying to you has been proven. Peter saw him. The twelve saw him. Look at verse 6. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. 500. Of whom the greater part remain under this present. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, if you don't believe me, Go talk to the 500 people that saw him. Paul is saying some of them are still alive, but some fell asleep. Paul is saying, listen, yo, the disciples, they literally saw him after he died. Uh, guess what? There were 500 people. Some of them are still alive. If you, if you don't believe what I'm saying, just go talk to them. There's, here's what he's saying. There's a ton of people that have witnessed Jesus Christ walking about for 40 days after he raised from the dead. What he preached was true. It was right. He actually was God. It's real. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me. A fellow who read a third of this book, he, he's saying that literally, I, I saw him. I'm not just, if you don't want my word, go ask a ton of other people. It's real. 
I saw him for at least the apostles, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, if there's anybody that would want to call this a lie, it would have been me. If there's anybody on the face of the planet that literally would want to say that guy is a liar, he never rose from the dead, it didn't happen, it would be this guy. I was killing him. I was killing the Christians. I was holding coats while people were stoning people that left Judaism because I was a religious zealot. Listen, there is not a person on the face of the planet that would want to eradicate that worldview of the gospel more than me. But guess what? I believe it. I saw it. It's real. Believe you me. Y'all need faith. The church needs faith. I'm not here to tell you to rise up. I'm here to tell you to dive in. The word of God will give you everything you need to swallow all the pills that I just put in your hand at the beginning of this message. And if you will just trust in Jesus Christ and the word of God, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will guide you. We will be a dynamite church of reaching the lost, of re racial reconciliation, of the message of the gospel. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which, I was, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether I were or they, so, so we preach and so we believe. Now, if Christ be preached, listen to me, that he rose from the dead, how say some, some of you, that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not, but if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which fell asleep in Christ are perished. If I in this life only, we have hope in Christ, we are, all of, we are of all men most miserable. Paul said, listen, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're all in our sins still. We have no power. We have no ability in Jesus if he didn't have the ability in himself to raise from the dead. But, but, verse 20, based on what he already said, <laughs> but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that fell asleep. For since by man came death, for since by man came coronavirus, for since by man came racism, for since by man came everything that will ever make the headlines. For since by man comes everything that will cause division, that will cause problems, that will keep us divided. Everything since by the first man. Everything, his own family killing each other. Why can't we look through a Christian worldview? Because by man came those things. But watch this. If I could find my spot. Even so in Christ shall all, all be made alive. That, that could be, you all need to go home, and you need to look up 1 Corinthians 15, and you need to have a Holy Ghost fit in your house. 
right there at your kitchen table. Read it to your children and say, listen, everything, every narrative that the devil is pushing, every antichrist that is in the world, all of them come from the first man, Adam. All of them come from a sin condition that we have all been subject to. Romans 5, 12, where first by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We can take a virus and put it in the category of death. We can take a virus and put it in the category of what sin brought about. But guess what? We can take the category, unlike any other category, called the gospel that he proved was true by his resurrection and say, by Jesus comes life. Our faith, our hope is made alive in him. Mm. If you believe that, then you believe that he raised from the dead. If you believe that, then you believe that he is the only answer to the problem of sin and death. If you believe that, then you can choose Jesus to be your savior. If you choose Jesus to be your savior, then you are admitting that you are the problem and he was the solution. If you believe that he is the solution, then you are bound by moral obligation to share the good news. If you hold on to something, you're saying you were something and they were nothing. But if you trust in Jesus, you're, you're saying, you're admitting, I am the problem and what I hold as the solution, a part of the gospel, is now my obligation to share. Why does God allow these things to happen? So that all can be saved. There is no cliffhanger to be resolved. It has been resolved. It has been eradicated. Hope has a name. Life has a name. All to be made alive are all that believe in who? Jesus Christ. Jesus can therefore bring every life from death to life. That means every life, every person on the face of the planet, everyone has a purpose. And that person is to live and find who? Jesus. Whosoever shall lose his what? Life for who? My sake. Now it is our responsibility if we were a part of the problem and we found a solution that is for every man. Logic says it's our responsibility to share that. It's our responsibility to now continue. It's now our responsibility to share. I have one thought I'm leaving you with today and it's this. God is allowing so you can be sharing. Say it with me. God is allowing so you can be sharing. Say it again. God is allowing so you can be sharing. Don't let the droplets come. God is allowing so you can be sharing. Say it again. God is allowing so you can be sharing. Woo. He's allowing. If he stopped it all, then what about those that don't know? What about those that don't understand the narrative? It is time we as Christians look at the lens through a Christian worldview and say, it is, it is with great honor that I endure the problems of this life so that I can share the purpose of the pain with those that don't understand the purpose. You may be praying for the very thing that God is trying to continue in your life. You may be praying to end the very thing that God is saying, this is the blessing. This is the narrative that you have to preach to those that are around you. I'm continuing. God is allowing so that you can be sharing. Job understood it. Joseph understood it. If Joseph would have got locked up in prison and been a 2020 Christian, what would have happened? Would he have ever interpreted Pharaoh's dream? Would he, would, have, would he have ever witnessed to the banker and the butler? Would he have ever continued to effect change if he didn't believe God was allowing it? 
Oh my goodness gracious. Oh, for a generation of Christians that will rise up and say, I'm good with God allowing it in my life so that I can share it. We need some Josephs. We need some Noahs. We need a Moses. We need a Paul. We need a Holy Ghost revival in our churches that don't get the narrative from the news, that gets the narrative from God and says, it doesn't matter if someone shows up at my door. It doesn't matter if you lead me in the valley of death. I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. The whole Bible is filled with the narrative of God allowing so that we could be sharing. Verse 10 and 11, but by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Is the grace that he bestowed upon you in vain? Is it in vain? But now is Christ risen from the dead. All be made alive. Don't let the devil control the narrative in your life anymore. The body of Jesus Christ, <laughs> the body of Jesus Christ was only found alive after his death. Remember that. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God that didn't walk into the valley of death himself. He did. Stop wondering and start sharing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're joining us today online, I want to lead you to reaching out to us. Maybe a message or a comment. If you're wondering how to make Jesus your savior, if you're wondering how to let him control the narrative in your life, I invite you today, send us a message, comment on this post. We would love to help you continue your relationship with Jesus.